this live recording on Podbean, but it makes me nervous. Anyway, it is what it is. So I am on there live now, and I'm going to leave it alone and not worry about it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, so be it. If any of you are also listening over there, you can make notes and tell me about it later. I just want to focus on the Word of God right now. I don't want to worry about recordings. So, our last episode in the Jesus series, Jesus talked with the woman at the well, but then he talked with the disciples also. And we are following up after that in John chapter 4, verse 45, Jesus went to Galilee and the Galileans received him having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. So it, when, if you remember when Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Passover, he, um, he, uh, drove the people out of the temple <laughs> and he made that statement, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. But then he also did miracles while he was there in Jerusalem. And that's important to the rest of our story today. So there were other Galileans that had made that journey to Jerusalem for the Passover. So now they're back home in Galilee. Jesus is there and they were glad to receive him because they had experienced him. And of course, that's what people are missing. People that don't understand Christianity, it's because they are they only know the secular idea of Christianity. They only know the history of like the Crusades and and the when when Christianity was so heavily tied to government and they don't know the freedom that we have because we have actual experience with Jesus. It, the man with the experience is never at the mercy of the man with the argument. I don't know if I said that phrase right, but experience is so powerful. And we've had personal experience with Jesus in prayer. We have encountered him in our weaknesses and our dark times, him coming in and, and blessing us and rescuing us and covering us and comforting us. And so this is this is why we are so joyful to be followers of Christ because we're not just uh we're not just trying to clock in at a church service we are living every day to be like Jesus to be Christ's hands to people on the earth Oh, it's such a wonderful experience. And once you actually experience Jesus, not just the idea of Christianity, once you experience Jesus, then you get it. Then you receive him. Then you can receive his teaching and his words. And so as you are, you know, out and about 
in the world, be it at your workplace or at a family event, or and, and you encounter people who are so hard against Christianity, be extra kind to them because they've got an experience with Christianity that is not an experience with Christ. Anyone who has an experience with Christ, their lives are changed. And we're going to talk today, today where we're at in our looking at Jesus chronologically, it's going to explain why, why people are changed by him because he is so opposite of the way of the world, of the way of human nature. He's so opposite of the way of human nature. So Jesus came again into Cana, this is verse 46. This is where he made water, wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is over in Judea. You've actually already experienced Capernaum. And when it says there was a nobleman, this means he was of the king's house. So Jesus comes. He's far away from all that happened in Jerusalem and and all the stuff that went on over there. Now he's in Galilee where people are receiving him. These people were, you know, they were not enemies. And here comes somebody from Capernaum, a nobleman of the king's house. Now the king is Herod Antipas. We're talking about the son of the king Herod who killed all the boys ages two years old and younger. This nobleman is kin to the King Herod, who when Jesus was born in an effort to kill Jesus in his birth, he killed all boys ages two and younger. And this Antipas, Herod Antipas, who this nobleman, he's of the king's house. This is the son of the king who killed all the babies. Antipas was the same Herod who killed John the Baptist for the seductive dance of his stepdaughter. And of course, this is the same Herod that eventually sent Jesus to his crucifixion. We're following Jesus chronologically, but I'm going to go ahead and add a spoiler here that at the crucifixion, we see Herod taunting Jesus, saying, show me a miracle, show me a miracle. And what we're about to read about is probably what, how he heard of the miracles of Jesus. In Luke 13, Herod saw Jesus. He was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some signs done by him. That Luke 13 that I just read, that's at Jesus' crucifixion. And at that very same hour, Pharisees came. This is also at the... um, toward the end of Christ's life at the crucifixion, Pharisees, Pharisees came 
Now, these were obviously Pharisees who were under the radar uh, following Jesus. But they came to him and said, get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said, go tell that fox. I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my my course. Uh, that's That's again a reference to the three days of his death, burial, and resurrection. So this nobleman that comes to Jesus asking for healing, this is this is who he is. He's kin to people who one generation tried to kill him, the next generation does kill him. Verse 47, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Now, this is a consistent point of frustration to Jesus. And we, we see Matthew, I mean, uh, Jesus saying this in Matthew 12, 38. He the Pharisee said, we would see a sign from thee. Matthew twelve thirty nine, Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given. <laughs> Matthew 16, 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Jesus found it very frustrating that everybody just wanted him to be the magic man. Bibbity bobbity boo, heal this person, heal that person, wow us. If you wow us, we will follow you. And when Jesus said, when the, the nobleman said, please come, my son's at the point of death. And Jesus referred to this frustration of, you know, everybody's wanting a sign. The nobleman saith unto him, sir, come down. Ere my child die. If you don't come down, my kid's going to die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. So here's some things that we need to learn from this scenario. First of all, even when we get it wrong, Jesus can't help but be moved by persistent people. Jesus gave the parable that we'll get to later of telling us to pray like the woman who went to the unjust judge and just went again and again and again. She just kept going back to him. Jesus said, this is what, this is how you are to approach God. And so Jesus cannot help but be moved by persistent people. So if your faith is waning in whatever you are praying about, I hope this word builds your faith. I do have some direction outside of you yourself praying for something. But don't forget, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. You need to ask God and you need to ask him consistently and persistently. Ask for help. Even if your faith is waning, 
we'll get to the story later where the man says, Lord, I believe help thou my unbelief. Like I know faith is so important and I'm not really feeling all that buzz I feel in church. I don't feel that level of faith, but don't forget talking to an invisible God is a level of faith. And all you need is faith is a grain of mustard seed to say to a mountain, be thou removed. So don't let the enemy keep you from asking God for what you need, what you, what is consuming your mind, what is consuming your workplace, what is consuming your, your home life, because it is just, it's overwhelming to you. Don't let your assumed lack of faith stop you from asking because asking is faith. It is faith. Don't let the devil trick you into that. But I also want to point out that Jesus knew who he was talking to. You you remember in previously when when Jesus was in the temple and after he drove everyone out of the temple and then he performed miracles, that wraps up by saying, but Jesus didn't trust them. This is in John 2. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. Jesus knows how fickle humanity is. He's been dealing with it since he created humans in the Garden of Eden. He offers them the perfect, the perfect scenario. And humans still blow it. He he sends judgment and they blow it. (laughs) He, He restores them. And they blow it. He takes them out of slavery from Egypt and, and, and performs all these miracles in the wilderness. They blow it. This is what humans do. Jesus was not caught off guard by humanity. And when that nobleman came to Jesus, Jesus knew this nobleman's family tried to kill him. Jesus knew who was coming to him for help. He knew the level of enemy that this man was. You know, there's a, there's a concept out right now that, that you remove yourself from your haters. And in a sense, that's true. You you don't need to live in the, in the midst of torture. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, just because people do not understand your faith, your hope, you don't need to, to spend so much time with them that they drain you of your hope. But, but your enemies need Jesus. You see... If we're going to be like Jesus, if we're his disciples, if we are doing the hard things to be like Jesus, grace gives everybody a chance, even the enemies, even the ones who tried to assassinate your character. Grace gives everybody a chance. We do not withhold fellowship, ministry, teaching, love, a time of coffee, 
a meal. We don't withhold those things from them. Any of the things of God. We don't withhold these things from people just because they have done bad things. We we sit down with them anyway. We talk with them anyway. I I posted yesterday in our sacred um, Facebook group that Jesus said, uh, Jesus was talking about bringing back someone from the point of death and someone um, giving someone mercy. I'm sorry, the exact scripture isn't coming to me. It, it wasn't Jesus who said it. It was James. It's in James. And it almost sounds like like you are a superhero because you brought somebody back from the point of death and you covered their sins. But that's not merely, that's not a report on a superhero. That's a to-do list. I'm remembering more of the verse now. When, when you bring back someone who has wandered from the truth, you save their soul from death and you cover a multitude of sin. That's what James says. When you do that, you save their soul, you save them from death and you cover a multitude of sin. That's not saying you're a superhero because you saved them from death. That is giving you a heads up of the work you have to do to save someone who has wandered from the truth. And if if uh, you've ever worked in the medical field, bringing someone back from the point of death is a precarious walk. And covering someone's sin, that means keeping it so that the public doesn't know about it. The public doesn't crucify them for it. When When you do that, it is a heavy task, but it's worth it. We do not withhold fellowship and ministry. You know, I've had in, in my life, I've had people assume that I was ignorant of how bad people were because I was trying to bring them access to Jesus. You know, they like get me, pull me to the side. Do you know that they do this bad thing or they do, they've done that bad thing? I'm like, wait a minute. Don't, don't, don't talk to me. Don't tell me these things. I try just to, uh, just to, mm, mm, mm. oh my, oh my. I just kind of make sounds to get, to get through it. I don't ask questions. I don't buy into it, but I am not ignorant. I happen to have, I happen to function with the gift of the spirit called the word of knowledge. (laughs) I am very aware, more aware than I want to be more aware than I want to be. I can, I can sometimes when I'm talking with people, it's, it's a weird experience. I can, it's like a, sometimes it looks like a gray veil over their face. And I know that they're actively disobedient to God. Sometimes I, like the word of, of their sin involvement, the actual word comes to my mind and it's almost like it's imprinted right across their forehead. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing. And I have the opposite occurrence of people who are coming toward the Lord. I will see them and I will see God's intentions for them. And that's 
that's my favorite. Those are fun ones. But I, I'm not ignorant that people are not perfect. I've I've been I've been living for God my entire life. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost since I was five years old. I don't know anything but a life living for Jesus. Now I'm not saying I've been perfect. I have certainly, certainly not been perfect. But I'm just saying I'm not ignorant. I'm not dumb. But here's the thing. Access to God is the only chance they have to become better people, to become better versions of themselves, to become a person who can overcome their addictions, to become a person who get past their sinful habits. Access to God is their only chance. And therefore, as Christ's disciple, I must feed them. If Christ can heal the son of the family who tried to kill him and he knows will kill him, then so must I. And so must you. If Christ did it, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, you'll notice Jesus didn't actually go with him back to the house. And you'll also notice that after Jesus' crucifixion, he didn't come and let them beat him again ever. If if they're actively hurting me, I'm going to remove myself from that situation. And that's my advice to you too. If they are actively actively hurting your character, if they are actively opposing. Jesus removed himself from those situations. But as long as they are listening, see this this nobleman, this kin, kinsman of King Herod, King Antipas, he came to where Jesus was for something. And as long as people are coming for what I give, and everybody knows what I give is is Jesus over and over and over. Like, I'm not buying into gossip. I'm not buying into partying. I'm not buying into any other lifestyle. So <laughs> they know. They know what I'm giving. I'm giving a surrendered life to God. I'm going to teach it. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to display it. A surrendered life to Jesus, a surrendered life to Jesus. And as long as they are coming and listening, I, I, I cannot think about how bad they are. I must, as a mimicker of Christ, feed them the bread of life and give them living water. And as long as they're going to eat the breadcrumbs I lay out to, to woo them to Jesus, I must woo them to Jesus. And so should you. Don't forget Jesus came for the sick, not the whole. Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician. He came for the ones who are blowing it. The people who are perfectly fine in their religious stance. Jesus didn't come for them. I I said in Korea, I mentioned this reference that Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician. In in my life, I just want to be with Jesus. And if, and if having 
a sickness is what gets me close to him, well then I'm going to be showing up at the doctor's office every day. I'll be like a three-year-old. I got a boo-boo here. I need a Band-Aid. I got a boo-boo over here too. (laughs) Oh, right here on my head. I have a (laughs) boo-boo. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And, And I will expose every one of my failures to him because I want him. I want him near me. I want him close to me. And when it comes to the people of this world, your family members, uh, your friends, your coworkers, they that are whole need not a physician. They that are all pious in their religion, okay. But they that are sick, the ones that seem to be the most opposed to Jesus the most, they're the sickest. <laughs> and they need Jesus the most. And so we, I anyway, I say we work harder. We We should be working harder to woo them. The, the more addicted they are, the more compassion we should have, the, the more uh, opposing to going to church they are, the, the more we should woo them. Turn on the light, turn on the charm, turn on the salt, turn it on. Prayer is a powerful tool of deliverance. I, I want to say this in talking about the wisdom in knowing people are sick. There are people who are sick and don't know it. And if, you know, King Herod Antipas, he he was sick and didn't know it. He had a spiritual sickness. And, and Jesus didn't go back in that situation. He didn't have to because prayer is powerful. If you have people in your life that are sick and don't know they are sick, prayer is powerful. Prayer Jesus just sent his word and healed this nobleman's son. Verse 51, as the nobleman, as he went, his servants met him on his way home and told him saying, thy son liveth. Then he inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, thy son liveth and himself believed and his whole house. This nobleman didn't need Jesus to come all the way back. He went and pursued Jesus because he pursued Jesus. He received, Jesus fed him. Jesus did not hold it against him who his family was, who his family, what his family had tried to do and what his family was going to do. Jesus fed him. And therefore this whole nobleman's household became believers in Jesus Christ. I hope we will go out and do the same thing, become lovers of people Love the unlovable, love the sinner, bless those who need Jesus. Have a great day. God bless you.